All right, Kiss Army. You wanted the best? You got the best. Now close your eyes. You're about to be podcast. Hello, welcome to your podcast. This is Gary Schaller, and with me, as always, James Hager and Ken Mills. Hey, guys, how's it going? Hi, Gary. I'm doing good, man. How's it going? And we are your hosts for podcast number 41. Can't believe it's been this many, but we're glad you're here and glad to have you with us. we got a big show tonight. Ferk, tell them what's on deck. We've got interviews with The Envy and Carrie Stevens and, of course, some great KISS performances. So let's kick it off with Get All You Can Take from Brighton, England, 1984. This one's called Get All You Can Take. Yeah, 
Ken, when you were seeing them on that tour, on the Animalized tour, did you have a sense before you went of what songs they were going to play from the record? Not at all. I wasn't uh, really aware of what was what had been played in previous cities. We didn't even know who we were going to see, Mark St. John or this Bruce guy. Yeah, I love that performance. Uh, Brighton 1984 is a great show. And, uh, you know, it's, it's neat because it's the beginning of a really long lineup, you know, just a, a lineup that stuck around for a while. And, 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 of course, Paul had to put a quarter in the swear jar. I noticed the lyrics never mention that, do they? What, about putting quarters in swear jars? No, the, the F-bomb <laughs> F is not in the lyrics for that song. You mean on, like, like if you got the lyric sheet, is it on there? Yeah, no, I don't think it is. Yes, he did. There we go, yeah. That's fantastic. So everyone, go get your copies of Animalize and check it out. I don't think that word is on there. Naughty Paul. Bad, bad Paul. It's like in the 80s, he discovered an entirely new vocabulary that he had uh, previously thought was unavailable to him. Well, the band had to seem tougher, I guess. Yeah. Changing times. It's amazing. When I when I think about buying that record, I, and I remember looking back you know, on the back cover, and they, God, do I even say this out loud? They looked tough. It seemed like they were tough on that, you know, something about like standing above a, a river of lava and animal pelts was tough. Gene kind of looked like Conan the Barbarian, not Conan the O'Brien. Right. No, he did. A little bit. A little bit. Anyway, speaking of new records, Kiss are heading back into the studio. That's what the rumor is. Uh, we heard something from Tommy saying that that was going to happen this year. Rumor is that it's going to be, you know, following the same formula as Sonic Boom. What do you think, Ferk? That is just fantastic. I, you know, when Sonic Boom came out, I, I didn't believe it was coming until I had it in my hands. And the idea that they're doing more. And more, and it's just phenomenal. And Sonic Boom's a great record. A second Sonic Boom is not a bad thing. No, and I, I like in history they're kind of uh, sister albums. Like I, I was think just of, thinking that, right? Like look it up and and like uh, look it up in Creatures, right? Kind rock of analyze and roll over and Love Gun. Yep, rock and roll over and Love Gun. Yeah, if these were sister records, Hot in the I Shade wouldn't... and Destroyer. No, I'm sorry, that one's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and and hopefully it will mean that they're back on the road again and. In fact, we've got something very cool from this past tour, a little peek backstage with a band that Gene has on Simmons Records. The band is called The Envy, and they opened for Kiss on most of this most recent tour. Heather Churchill caught up with The Envy backstage at a recent show and got a look into what it's like to be an opening band for Kiss and what it's really like working with Gene Simmons. Big thanks to Heather, who's our podcast correspondent from the Great White North, so give this a listen. Hey, what's up? I'm Sean. I'm Void. I'm Izzy. I'm Bowden. I'm Johnny. We are The Envy on Simmons Records, and you're listening to Podkist. Introduce yourself. Sure. I'm, uh, I'm Sean, and I'm the singer of The Envy. When you first heard about Gene wanting to sign you, yeah. what was your reaction? Yeah, I was. I mean, I was. I was very excited and surprised. I knew that Gene had been uh, up here in Canada looking for a Canadian band to sign. It was actually. I think it was my idea. I told my manager. I said, "Hey, we should send the uh, send the demos down to Gene. Why not? Right?" And so yeah. uh, when I heard back, like I mean, almost. I think it was like a week and a half later, two yeah. weeks later. Um, yeah, it was really exciting. And uh, we were out in um, in Eastern Canada on tour, okay. and uh, our manager called and said, "Oh, there's a very." Uh, he didn't actually tell you. Tell me it was Gene Simmons, but he said, "There's a very." Uh, important person that wants to come see your band right away you need to get back to Toronto jump right. in a van so yeah. it's funny we jump in the van and then the, the transmission exploded <laughs> and so we're, we're broken down in Prince Edward Island which is like t- 24 hours east of here east um, we drove, the east coast too, there so. you go yeah so we drove the whole we drove the whole um, 
We drove the whole way home in like second gear. Oh, made no. it, did the show. Uh, went out for some food with Gene after the show. Yeah. And uh, within a couple of days from that, we were talking regularly and Excellent. exchanging emails. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, yeah. great guy. Seems it. Yeah, yeah, and he's completely different, uh, you know, in his private sort of well, not this is private, That's but just private. behind the scenes, kind of yeah. working on the band stuff. It's, yeah, it's very cool. No, I mean, not at all. We didn't no. expect any of that. We thought that, uh, I remember uh, sitting with, uh, yeah, with our manager and, and a couple of us, and we're like, you know, if we could just get on one KISS show, I remember yeah. saying, if we could just get on one KISS show, we could wave that flag up here in Canada and say, hey, we just played a show with KISS, how about that, you know, yeah, exactly. and, and it would help us, you know, move forward. And, uh, and then so we, I guess they went to Gene and said, hey, would you, would you consider putting the, the Envy on one KISS show? And he came back with this list. He sends us this list of KISS shows, like, there was like, you know, 30 shows. And we said, oh, are we supposed to pick one? Like, and he's like, no, 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 no. you're on all of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, that must have been a blast. That uh, was phenomenal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, really great. I mean, they're they're a great band. A lot we learned a lot. It's yeah. very very cool. Anything that you learned from them that you actually kind of take into your own account and. I mean, yeah, Paul yeah. Stanley, uh, mainly as as a, for me as a front man, yeah. um, he definitely uh, he knows how to command the audience and he knows okay. how to. Uh, he's, he's one of the best out there. Yeah, he, he he's the best, and he, and yeah. he and he knows how to uh, gauge their reaction, and then um, and then kind of change his show depending mm -hmm. on how the the audience is reacting that night. Yeah. And he knows how to, you know, if they're a little bit quieter, then he knows how to get them. You yeah. know, he knows how to grab them. Yeah. So for me, that was a, that was watching him every night was really yeah, it's inspiring. Yeah. Did you watch a lot of the shows like backstage? Every, every or? night, I you know I picked a different spot in the in the venue every night. Like yeah. uh, you know, I remember in, on the. Uh, on the early shows, I would go out to the soundboard and just watch the show. And then, yeah. as I wanted to see, well, how do they do that? And how do they yeah. do that? I would go backstage. I would kind of sneak into areas I actually wasn't supposed yeah. to be, and sit there and watch how they do the explosions yeah. and the pyro. And yeah. I mean, there's there's a hundred people behind the scenes running that whole thing, and it's exciting to watch. So yeah. I'm falling from the sky into your dreams again tonight, and this time I'm holding on to you for life. In my arms, I hold you tight. In my dreams again tonight And nothing's ever felt so black and white So hang on baby girl Tonight I might be halfway around the world I miss you girl Um, well, Tommy and Eric were were kind of actually the most social when it came to. I think if, if there's, I mean, other than Gene, of course, on a, on a business level, like if there was any sort of kind of like, hey, what's up, like kind of friendly yeah. interaction, it was mainly with uh, with with Eric, yeah, because he's such a I joker and he's you yeah. know he's he's yeah. a loud mouth and uh, 
Eric, like I said, Eric was uh, Eric was very social, and uh, just the whole crew, like everyone they hire, are just great people. Like we, we loved the whole experience. It was like a big carnival. Yeah, I get that with Eric. He seems to be the real energizer bunny of the whole group. Yeah, 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 definitely. And Tommy, yeah. I mean, Tommy's just, I think, uh, you know, I think he just grew up loving Kiss, and he was yeah. like, I think he was like their assistant back in the day. And yeah, back around the re- revenge and the convention time, yeah, he did a lot of their front work, I guess. Yeah, and in turn, now he's in the band, so. Yeah, he was like a gun from a huge band. Such a nice guy. Such yeah. a nice guy. He seems very laid back. Very laid back, very cool. Um, they're all really cool. I mean, yeah. I didn't talk to Paul uh, that much, but but the, the some interactions I had with Paul were really funny. Him yeah. and him and Gene have a funny thing, you know. Yeah, you're like brothers that don't speak. He start talking. He start talking to us uh, at the everyone yeah. catering one day, and then Gene would come in the room and he'd be like, "Oh, I'm not allowed to talk to you guys anymore. Gene's here, you know." And Gene would come over. What are you talking to these guys for? Don't listen to. Don't listen to that guy. And it's funny, very funny. They're like walking around with a huge garb. Why did you find the crowds like? In different shows, they were good. I mean, in the south, uh, in the southern states, uh, mm-hmm. we got a really great, strong crowd reaction. Um, I think our music's going to do good down there. Uh, you know, it was nice because although the people are Kiss fans and they're there to see Kiss, they definitely gave us uh, the, the chance and did it. They're very open uh, to, to music, and they like you. You know, you bring your kids to the show. A lot of people, uh, the Kiss does that great thing where it's like your kids come for free. Yeah. Um, so we made a lot of young fans and a lot of older fans, and um, yeah, like. Really great, really great yeah. people. Was there any one particular show that really stood out for you guys? Well, I mean, the Mexican shows were obviously exciting because we were in Mexico. Yeah. But but as far as an exciting show for me, San Antonio, uh, that San Antonio just was unbelievable. I remember that night we like sold totally out of CDs like in five like minutes. Yeah. Just one of those shows where it just it reacted so well. Um, and Atlanta, so yeah, the set of Texas was really strong in, in Atlanta. Um, really exciting and I mean it was awesome to play in Toronto yeah. at the Molson yeah. Amphitheater yeah that, <laughs> you know? that was a great show the crowds were thanks were yeah just being at home playing yeah. that kind of show oh we did these state fairs with them we did the yeah. Indiana State Fair and the Minnesota State Fair and those were I forgot that yeah Indiana was something else yeah 20,000 people grandstands Excellent. sun went down yeah. huge show Obviously, Doc, I guess, was with him. Doc first. McGee was on every show, yeah. Yeah. What was he like being around? Uh, he was awesome. And uh, yeah. and from the beginning, I think he, you know, he sat me down. He's like, listen, you know, I want you to know that you're you're not only here because, uh, you know, you're Gene Simmons' boys, but I had to I had to okay it, too, and I think you guys are great. And, um, you know, throughout the tour, he would give us a little, uh, he would help us out. Like, you know, fourth show in, he gave us a lighting guy, you know, let us yeah. use their lighting guy. And then, yeah. You know, went to Mexico and he had the crew start filming us. You know, yes. Doc Doc was was awesome, and uh, and I hope that we get to do some more stuff with him because yeah. he yeah seems like a good guy. Yeah, and he seemed to really he seemed to really like take a take a liking to us and our music, and he 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 helped us out a lot. You yes. know, we can't thank yeah. him enough for his support. What's next for you guys? Well, we're on the Finger Eleven tour now. Uh, mm-hmm. We have 20 more shows. Uh, the EP just came out on uh, iTunes, so yeah. you can get that at theenvymusic.com slash iTunes or just by searching The Envy on iTunes. Um, the single's out now. We're, uh, you know, we're, we found it today we're the number one most requested song on uh, Much More Music. Um, yeah, so actually, I, are, I saw your yeah. video there yesterday. I was cool. Channels. Was yeah, like, hey, the video's cool. out and it's, and it's happening. It's yeah. great. And, uh, you know, we're, we're hoping to do some more stuff in the United States. Um, right after this tour 
Republic Music uh, Universal picked up our record. Excellent. So, uh, yeah, the family's growing, and we've got a great team, and we're really excited. Yeah, any uh, idea of when your actual full-length album is coming Yeah, they're, out? they're talking like April, May. Uh, it takes them a while. They're going to have the EP. They're going to work the EP. We're going to work the new song, Don't Let Go, for a while, see how it does, try to get on the radio. And as that happens through the spring, then they'll release the record. I think that's about it. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you for having us. Oh, no problem. We appreciate this. Yeah. No problem. It's cool to be part of the KISS, uh, the Kiss history, you know? Thanks to Heather for that excellent report. And up next, we continue to look at the life of Eric Carr. We got a lot of great feedback from the show we did last time, podcast number 40, which was all about Eric Carr. And um, we're going to be checking in right now with someone who is very near and dear to him, Carrie Stevens. Eric and Carrie dated for four years. Carrie is an actress and a Playboy model. Uh, Ken caught up with Carrie recently, and here's his interview with Carrie Stevens. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome Carrie Stevens to the podcast. Welcome to the show, Carrie. Thank you so much. I'm happy to talk to you. And it's a pleasure to talk to you. I never thought that I'd actually get to speak to a former Playboy playmate here, uh, and here we because are. there is no such thing as a former playmate. <laughs> Once a playmate, always a playmate. See, this interview is already informative. Yes, I'm already teaching you something. Exactly. something new every day. Because uh-huh. there's, there's only one Miss June 97 or August 86, whatever, you own that month and year as a Playboy playmate. So, so, so it's kind of like former. you're Miss no America. One ever, no one can ever take your place there. Kind of like Miss America. Once you're crowned that or whatever, you carry well, that for a while. Yeah. Life. Well, you, I guess you could be a former Miss America because there's a next Miss America. I guess you're you right. You could be a, a former playmate of the year, but not a former playmate of the year 2011, for instance. Okay. In Playboy terminology, you know, the official Playboy terminology, there's no such thing as a former playmate. Once a playmate, always a playmate. And for the people that may not know, you have a connection to a member of KISS. You dated Eric Carr for four years, correct? Yes. I was his girlfriend for quite some time, and uh, and I'm happy to be here to help keep his memory alive. We just recently did uh, two episodes featuring Eric, and we're kind of looking at his life, and we'd like to talk to you about him and your thoughts on the band and just anything you can tell us about him. Did you have trouble dating such a short guy? Well, I'm shorter than he is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, you are, sorry. No, he, I didn't, never thought of him as short. Um, I'm 5'5". Five five. I think he was about 5'7". No, it never bothered me at all. I mean, he had a great body and very fit. That was never an issue. Wow, that's the first time I Anyone ever asked me that? Well, I was looking at your bio, and it says it's your five six, so it's your five five. So they they got that wrong. Uh, what about? I probably lied. I think I used to lie for <laughs> modeling. I, I lied for so long that I forgot how tall I actually was. I think you know that that's that's like a, a model thing, you know, to lie about your height. But that's all right. Know, Most people lie about. I'm past know, that. They're like weight on their driver's license or something. So. Oh, I still lie about my weight. I'll never <laughs> tell the truth. <laughs> so you dated him from what year to what year would you say? I met him in 87, and he died in 1991. How did you meet her? Um, well, it's kind of a funny story. I was actually living in Memphis, Tennessee. I was going to Memphis State University. And I was also at the John Robert Powers Modeling School, where I met all these rocker chicks. We all went to we actually went to the KISS concert when they were in town, and then that was that. You know, didn't meet him at the show or anything. And then uh, it turns out the, they stayed in town for a few days. KISS did. I think Gene and Paul left, but Eric and Bruce 
stayed behind a couple of days because the next tour dates in the next cities had been canceled. Turns out Ron Woods from the Rolling Stones was having an exhibition of his art at the Peabody Hotel where Gene and Paul and Eric and well, they, were, they had all been staying there. But like I said, Gene and Paul left. I, I didn't know that at the time. And I mean, I liked Kiss, but it wasn't like I was, you know, that familiar with them. So when we were in... My girlfriends and I were in the hotel lobby bar for the Ron Wood exhibit. I saw the back of Eric's head and thought it was Paul Stanley. And um, I overheard them talking about getting a car, him and the guys he was with. I think one was like the tour manager. I don't remember really who they were. But they were talking about getting a car to go see this particular band play. And it was a local Memphis band called the Willies that my friends and I really liked too. So I just spoke up and I said, hey, I have a car. I'll drive you. And that's how we started talking. I took them to see that band, and that was the start of, of a whole lifetime for me of attachment to Eric Carr. With or without him here, I'm still attached to him. Does it ever get weird that you're still attached to him? I mean, Very weird. That's why I said it. It's, very, it's mind-blowing to me. Can you kind of give us a little detail about that? Because I understand what you're saying, but I don't think a lot of people really get it. I didn't do interviews for a very long time because it really... It hurt me to drudge everything up over and over and over. There was one point, uh, I don't remember how many years after his death, but there was one point where I was in an interview and I this will be my last interview. I will not talk about this anymore because I wanted to keep his memory alive, but the, at the same time, I have to move on, you know. I'm here, you know, and he's mm-hmm. gone and I have to learn to live without him. So um, I didn't talk about him for a while. Now enough time has passed, you know, that I feel okay about it again. Um, I'm strong with it. I feel it, it is very surreal that, you know, I was dating somebody who died and I never in a million years would think from that I, I'm famous for the rest of my life for being his girlfriend. I guess probably because I'm the girlfriend that he had when he died and there's so many KISS fans and you know, if you're you're what did you call yourself? A KISS geek or something? Yeah, basically. You know, like there's just KISS fans like to know everything about KISS and, and for that I've become part of KISS's history. Actually my playmate year I got more fan mail than any other playmate and when Playboy told me that, you know, I knew why. It's because all the KISS fans wrote to me supporting me it wasn't really that I was like the hottest girl that year or anything it's just that you know the KISS fans um, followed me which is pretty cool the KISS fans have been very very cool with me yeah you know I was emailing back and forth with Bruce this morning about what we started writing yesterday about we are talking about the book the Greg Prada book the Eric Carr story and and our thoughts on that and then he sent me some stuff about the Rockheads and, and you know I, I was just sharing this with you because it pertained to your last question about is it how weird is it, you know, mm-hmm. all these years later that you're still famous for being his girlfriend. And I said to Bruce, I said, you know, because he was saying how sad it is, you know, reading the book. And I said, you know, it's, it's still not real to me. I have a recurring dream that it was all just a big mistake. I always dream that he's in New York and that he came back. Like he, It's like he met, they found out he wasn't dead after all somehow and it was a big mistake and he's living in New York and I'm trying to get in touch with him and it's awful. It's just, it's, it's just still, it's just how many years later and I just can't, I just still can't grasp that it's real. He's so still alive in my heart. And, hmm. I understand dear. Loretta told us that uh, his sister was telling us that one of Eric's favorite things to do is watch The Godfather or The Ten Commandments and always, like, catch the bloopers, and he would always, like, zone in on that kind of stuff. He was a big movie buff. Can you tell us anything, like, what was Eric like on a personal level? Like, what did you guys do for fun? What What was an average date for Carrie and Eric? 
we did goofy things together all the time. I mean, it's true. He did like movies and he liked comedy, especially like All in the Family. He loved All in the Family reruns, especially when he was sick. He loved to watch those and laugh. And back to your typical date between us. Um, well, when we were together, we were together 24-7 because it was a long-distance relationship. So it wasn't like ever pick you up and take you to dinner. It was like when we were together, we lived together. Mm-hmm. And we'd wake up in the morning and he always, I, you know, I I wasn't a coffee drinker because I was quite young when I met him, so he got me into coffee. And he would bring me coffee in bed, and he would bring me a bagel in bed. And uh, he was very good to me that way. And then we lounged around a lot. And, you know, it would depend on what city we were in, but we we took, you know, a lot of time walking and shopping and seeing sights. We like to drink wine a lot and have lunch, you know, and have wine at lunch and have wine at dinner. And, you know, we were, we just, we laughed a lot. We did regular people stuff, like, you know, we'd go to movies and Mm -hmm. have dinner with groups of friends. Um, We spent a lot of intimate time together, you know, went to concerts. We did all kinds of stuff, just, you know, like normal people, I guess. I don't know if my life is normal, but, (laughs) you know, I guess probably not, actually. Did you ever get a chance to tour with the band, basically? Yeah, yeah, I was on the road with them a lot. Okay, do you remember um, which tours? I met him on the Crazy Night tour, um, and then we, well, you know, I was with him for a lot of the tour on the Hot and the Shade tour.
people ask you about Eric Carr, what's the one thing that you'd like to tell people the most? Like, what's the one memory or one moment that just makes you laugh when you think about it? What makes you laugh when you think about Eric Carr? I did have a great sense of humor. So many things that pop in my head. I remember this one time I that he was not mean, but he was in bed sleeping in a hotel, and it was around Halloween time. And I went to a I went to like a drugstore to pick something up, and I picked up this really scary Halloween mask, and I woke him up with it on, and I scared I scared the crap out of him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was like, "That wasn't very nice." <laughs> Now, it had to be weird. And then we took pictures of it, and we were silly. (laughs) (laughs) Do you still have those pictures? I actually do. I do Uh, have those silly pictures somewhere. I'll I'll bet. That sounds cool. Uh, They're they're just like me wearing the mask and him taking pictures of me wearing it. But, you know, like we were just always silly. Most of all, he was very, very sweet. You know, I have boxes of stuff. I forgot about a lot of the stuff. I put it away for so many years until... Greg Prado was writing the book and wanted to interview me, so I pulled it all out to find, you know, photos and things that maybe I could help him with the book. And, and, you know, these sweet things he did for me. You know, I have a magnet from every state they went to on tour. He Every truck stop that he'd stop at, he'd buy me a magnet. Whenever I wasn't with him on tour, and I still have all of them, he sent me postcards from every city with the funniest captions on them. You know, like, like you know, there was like a, uh, I don't know where it was, play Iowa or somewhere, like, you know, pigs and cows or so. it was some, something like that and he's like the meet and greet backstage tonight you know it's always some but even if that's he wrote one thing you know he'd just write sometimes it should, they just had a smiley face on them you know, sometimes they said you know you know you're the love of my life I love you forever I mean just different thoughtful things every day but you know just to show me that he was thinking about me all the time so he's a pretty romantic guy yeah very I have I still have um he sent me flowers once for no reason, and the note card on it said, "Carrie, all of your dreams and goals will come true." Love, Eric. Oh, that's very. And I cool. still keep that. I still keep that out to this day. I have a card from him right now. Actually, I can tell you what it is right now. It's uh, I keep this one out too because it's just um, it says it's one of those kind that you get, you know, it's car wash or something. But uh-huh. it says. It says, when you find this in your mailbox, chances are I'll be sitting here thinking of you, as I so often do. When you read these few words, I hope you'll think of how much you mean to me and how much you always will. And when you set this card aside and you continue, okay, great, now I'm going to cry. And you continue on with the things you need to be doing in your day. Smile, smile for me. And remember that I'll be thinking of you still. And it said, love you, E. I should scan this and send it to you and, and um and he drew a little picture of himself, <laughs> you know, him with all this hair and a smiley face. It's, I would love and, to see it. Yeah, that's one of the things that I found, you know, when I was going through all the stuff and did that, I kept out because, you know, it's kind of like him still talking to me, you know, even though he's not here to say it, you know, that card said to, that he'll always be thinking of me, so... Very anyway, cool. sorry, I got a little emotional for a Hey, second. it's okay. You know, this is the one show or, or one thing. If you can't be human on, then, then we don't want to be involved. You know what I mean? We want to – this is this is real. Cool. So, so we're all in this together. Cool. Um, let's talk about his music. Not so much his music with Kiss, but his music that he did by himself. Did you ever check out any of that? Or, or did, I'm sure being a romantic guy, he probably <laughs> – you know, showed it yeah, to he you even wrote it. a song for me. Unfortunately, he never finished it. Um, but it was a ballad, and he'd play it for me. 
there weren't any words to it yet. That's what I was really interested in. But unfortunately, um, I never got around to hearing those. I'm sure somebody has the tapes, probably his family, or maybe I know Bruce was really involved with um, rockology. I'm sure you're aware of that. And, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I wasn't that involved with, you know, because I don't understand music, like writing songs and mm-hmm. that kind of a thing. He'd kind of play me something, but I didn't, I mean, not enough that I'm knowledgeable about it. Let's talk about his Kiss music. Did you have a favorite song or performance that he would do? Mm, well, no. I, well, I loved his drum solos because, um, of course, that was you know his, his moment spotlight. to shine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, anytime he was singing, like Little Caesar, I loved his version of Beth. I mean, just heart, it just pulls on my heart. You know, it's a great song. Um, and uh, I like some of the older. Kiss stuff like I was made for loving you, mm-hmm. Deuce Strider. Uh, his his favorite song was I love it loud.
boy, the drums on that are amazing. Well, my son just played drums on that at nine years old, so it's pretty cool. Really? Wow. Yeah, he did. Very cool. He, um, but my son was thrilled to do I Love It Loud, so because that was Eric's favorite song. So he was he, he got to do four songs in a recent Kiss tribute show, so he was really excited that he got assigned to that one. Oh, now let's talk about that for a second. Now, your son is named Jackson, and and, yes. and, and, and how did you name him that? Uh well, actually, my girlfriend Sharice, who is an ex-wife of Vince Neil, oh, okay. she found the yeah she found the name for me in a baby book when she just said, "How about Jackson with an X?" and I said, "That's it," because I loved that it was a strong, traditional, manly name. Yet, you know, it's cool enough if you wanted to grow up and be a rock star or something, you know, then or be have it shortened to Jax in case you wanted to be like a soap opera actor. <laughs> Very you know, good. he could have choices or just be Jackson. Actually, right now he prefers just to be called Jackson, but everyone thinks it's cool with the X. I know it's cool because we meet teenagers. They're like, wow, you spelled with an X. It's cool. Teenagers know. Yeah. Now, he is, is nine, and you mentioned this, this Kiss tribute show. He goes to a school, but it's called the School of Rock, and uh, you can go to schoolofrock.com and check it out. My son's grandmother got him last year guitar lessons for Christmas and bought him an acoustic guitar. My, I, I found the School of Rock, but then my son said, no, I don't want guitar. I want to play drums. So I said, sorry, Grandma, <clears throat> you know, he, if he wants drums, he's let him do what he wants to do. And an also, also interesting tidbit for you is that I contacted Bruce, Bruce Kulik, to ask him, you know, who would be a good guitar teacher for Jackson. And so he gave me the name of Paul Stanley's son, the 15-year-old son's, guitar teacher Ever. and so yeah. I, yeah I called him and that guitar teacher I'm spacing on his name right now but he said at his age because he was eight at the time he said you know he'd be better off start on drums and I said well as a matter of fact he says he wants to do drums so I'm not going to push guitar on him you know because now that you're saying it too you know too bad grandma so we went ahead and enrolled him in drums and um he he start like you know they start at once a week for 45 minutes and then they get to you know, graduate from that and go to the next level, which is Rock 101, where they have to learn, you know, like Satisfaction by the Stones and, I don't know, a Beatles song. Or where Ramon was the school song. when I was a kid? <laughs> I know, huh? Like, there's great opportunities out here in L.A. And there's, like, seven others around the country. There's actually one in Philadelphia. A guy that I know in Cinderella, Jeff. Jeff Labar. Jeff's son goes there. Jeff Labar's son goes there to the School of Rock. So he graduated from Rock 101, and this is about the time where Greg Prado's writing the book and asks me to go through my stuff and see what I can come up with. And as I'm going through my box of Eric memories, I find a case of Eric's drumstick that I didn't oh, know I had. Wow. And gloves, two pairs of gloves that he, that he actually wore in shows that he had given me. Wow. I'm not sure why he gave them to me, but I had them <laughs> in storage. So um, so my, my son got to, right when he graduated from Rock 101, he had to audition to get into performance level. So he used Eric's stick and Eric's gloves, and he got in. Wow. And then, get this, it gets weirder. They do a tribute show to some band, you know, every quarter, and they play out at a real club. Well, guess who the next show was? Kiss. Wow. So it's getting a little eerie now, you know what I mean? It's like, wow, okay, now the first show you're up for is Kiss. So, again, it's just wild. It it was wonderful. And um, so he... He wore the fox makeup, and actually I found a tank top, a black tank top that belonged to Eric, and he actually he wanted to wear that, that shirt, so he wore that shirt in one of the performances. One day he wore his, 
he was Gene Simmons for Halloween, so he wore part of that costume <laughs> the first day. And then the second day, he wore, um, you know, Eric's shirt in both days. He used his gloves and his sticks. And Bruce came to the gig and jammed with the kids, which was amazing of him. Amazing. And actually, Bruce just offered. My son's next gig is a Beatles tribute, and Bruce offered to come and jam. Because I know Bruce kids. is a huge Beatles fan. Yeah, Bruce, Bruce is, and he's a just a tremendous person with a huge heart. Yeah, so, definitely. He's a really, very really nice guy. I appreciate him. Very mm-hmm. nice guy. And here is that Kiss medley with Carrie's son Jackson on drums. Check it out. <laughs> his show on the web so turn it up well it's amazing that you know uncle bruce and uncle paul and uncle jeff labar and all these people so (laughs) your your son's gonna have an interesting life oh my son is so spoiled it's so funny i brought him backstage he always wants to go to concerts with me and all that stuff but you know most of them are at night and too late and sometimes they're at clubs and i can't bring him because it's 21 and over and I have a friend who is a bass player for Flash, so he uh, he's like, well, you know, I'll get you in and Jackson to something that's appropriate. So he's like, he invited us to go to the George Lopez show. Oh, it was wow. so funny because I'm sitting, I'm sitting. Actually, Bruce came too. We're all sitting in the green room, and and I'll, we look out the window because you can see through the glass. And there's my son outside shooting the shit with Slash. Just like, just, you know, and well, I didn't even, I hadn't even met Slash yet, and I look out there, and they're like, you know, he's like, hey, that's a cool guitar, man, and, and Slash was really funny after the show, Jackson went up to him, and he's like, that was really good, you really rocked, and, and Slash goes, well, you know what, of anyone here, I believe you, because you wouldn't tell me shit, kids don't lie. That's pretty cool. That was cool, so like, yeah, my son's pretty, my son spends holidays at the Playboy Mansion, he's pretty spoiled. He, like, I think he's starting to get it. Like, he, he really, he didn't really get it before, but now that he's in School of Rock and, you know, he can, the other, I still don't think he really gets the Playboy thing, but he gets, he's starting to get, like, that Mommy knows some cool people and Mommy can, and you know, I'm getting some points, you know. Very, I think very I'm cool. a cool mom. <laughs> well, I think you're a cool mom, too, so there. Uh, <laughs> as a matter of fact, you came by your name in an interesting way. You're... I don't even know about it. I read about it myself in Playboy magazine. I mean, my, <laughs> my mother tells the story better than me. My, my father's a scientist, and he was working on something, and I don't know what the thing was, a machine or something or with it, and it, it was called Carrie, so they named me Carrie. Yeah, it was the not Carrie. The, not the most exciting story. 
the the carry spectro photometer. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. Do you know what I, the hell I did it not inherit my dad's scientific genes. Well, where'd you get your stunning good looks then? Both of my parents are very good looking people. Well, there you go. And let me put it this way. Eric had good taste in women. So there you well, go. He always did tell me that I was the prettiest girl he ever dated. So well, you know what he did? Okay, it's another memory. He came on my very first audition with me. Okay. And if it wasn't for him, I would not be an actress or a model because I, I didn't, or I grew up in, can I swear on your show? You sure can. <laughs> I mean, I'd be Miss Potty Mouth. Yeah. Sure. Well, I grew up in Bonfuck, Massachusetts. You know, you couldn't say you wanted to be a model or an actress. It was, you know, you, you were full of yourself, conceited. You just don't do that where I come from. You work at the town post office or you become a cop or you're, you're, you know, a school teacher. You know, you don't grow up and live the life that I've lived. So I had a hard time moving to LA and admitting that I wanted to do that. And Eric got it out of me. He'd say, if you could do anything, what would you do? And I got me to admit that I wanted to do that. And he, you know, said, what can I do to help you with your career? And, and, you know, he worked on getting there, getting me there and helping me, being supportive. And then when I had my first audition, uh, yeah, it was at 20th Century Fox. You know, it's a big studio lot, you know, to walk through. And there I am, you know, with our car from Kiss. And at the time, it was so normal for me to be with him. But mm. now I'm thinking back, people probably noticed, and that was just so normal to me. But he went to my first audition with me. It was for that series, Parker <coughs> Lewis Can't Lose. Remember that show, Parker Lewis Can't Lose? Yes, I love that show. It's finally out on Yeah, that was my first audition. Why I thought I should get the job on my first audition, I guess I I was just very new to the business and didn't know that that just really didn't happen. But anyway, when I found out I didn't get the part, you know, I cried to Eric and I said, do you think I just wasn't pretty enough? And he said, Carrie, you could never not be pretty enough. And to this day, every time I walk into an audition, I look around the room and I hear his voice in my head saying, Carrie, you could never not be pretty enough. And that keeps me from being intimidated by the other talent in the room. I'm going to ask you about each member of the Eric Carr lineup, you know, when he was in the band. I know and the other ones, too. I know Tommy Sayer. I know, oh, wow. I know them all. Okay. Well, oh, I have known Tommy way before he was in KISS. Okay. Wait, but I, he's one of the first first people I think I knew in L.A. Well, then then let's start there. What, do you, what are your thoughts and impressions of Tommy Thayer? I think he's a really nice guy. Um, I think it's wild how he ended up being in Kiss, because when I knew him, he was in a Kiss tribute show with Jamie St. James. And mm-hmm. um, I had a friend who was married to Jamie St. James. Actually, I was in their wedding, and Tommy was in their wedding, too. Um, wow. Yeah, it's a small world out here in L.A. Um, <laughs> so I knew him way back when, and I knew him when he was Gene's assistant. And, you know, that he was actually teaching Ace some of the songs at one yeah. point. Yep. So Gene said, well, why don't you just be in the band then? But, you know, I saw him perform with them live recently for the first time. I thought he did a great job. And um, I think his wife is a doll. Um, Amber, she's a very pretty Yeah, girl. Amber is a sweetheart. She's very um, creative. I hung out with her. She's very cute. Yeah, I hung out with her a lot at the gig. We're Facebook friends. She's a real real cutie. They're nice people. Okay, who else do you want to gossip about? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's go with uh, Bruce Kulick. We've already talked about him a little bit, but we'll just... Yeah, I, I hate to pick favorites, but I pick Bruce. I love Bruce. He's my Uncle Bruce. One time, Bruce, I had a, a party at my house. Uh, it, this was years ago. It was, oh, probably like two years after Eric died, two to four years, something like that. Mm-hmm. I, oh, yeah, you know, it was, I know exactly when it was in 94. It was the year of the earthquake. It ah. was right before the earthquake, and Eric died in 91, so I was right. It was a few years after. And Christina is still my best friend. She was Bruce's ex-wife, and uh, she she and Bruce came to a Christmas party that I had. And there's Bruce Kulik walking around the party with a trash can <laughs> cleaning, like he's cleaning <laughs> during the party. He's just like the sweetest, most considerate guy 
you'll, you'll ever meet. You know, and Bruce has always made time to be on the show. As a matter of fact, he was on the last show and mm-hmm. spoke about Eric, and he shared some of his memories. He's a very good guy, and just beyond his talent, his heart, and just his his kindness is amazing. Hey, Christina, his ex-wife, and I were on the phone yesterday morning talking about how wonderful and awesome he is, and. You know, when someone's ex-wife says that about you, you know it's true. That, yeah, that's that's something right there. So let's let's go on. Uh, any thoughts on Eric Singer? Do you know him much? Or um, I I know him, but not like to to, to say hello. Mm-hmm. I think when he first joined the band, I had a lot of mutual friends, um, and we'd be in the same place at the same time, and I was still very much in my mourning and sadness right. over losing Eric Carr. I could barely speak to Eric Singer, but it wasn't it wasn't because there was anything against Eric Singer and Eric Carr didn't have anything against Eric Singer. He was afraid that Eric Singer was going to take his job. He had a real fear of that, but he didn't dislike him. He wasn't, you know, you know, it was nothing to do with Eric. Um, and then, you know, I just, I would see Eric around from time to time over the years and he's, he's always been friendly to me. Um, but friendly, like, hey, Carrie, how you doing? Like, you know, but I don't know him deeply, you know, more of like a, a casual acquaintance. What about Paul Stanley? I see Paul, like, everywhere I go. I'm like, why can I not be running into, like, Leonardo DiCaprio or Johnny Depp? <laughs> why do I keep running into Paul Stanley? No, he lives in my neighborhood. I run into him. Um, at all my, we apparently have the same favorite restaurant. We go to the same grocery store. Um, I've seen him at parties at I mean, we just see each other all the time, which it's like, it's always, I mean, I, I see Gene too, but not as often, I guess. It's just weird how I run into Paul. I run into him at the mall. I've seen him in the weirdest places. One time I was like driving in the mall and I see this guy standing on his phone, like in the alleyway. And I'm like, that looks like Paul. <laughs> and it was, I'm like, what the hell is Paul doing sitting in the alley here? I just see him in the weirdest places. But, you know, Paul, Paul's like a quieter kind of guy, like, He's harder to get to know than, like, Gene, who will sit around and shoot the shit with you. Like, Paul, Paul's always been, you know, kind of standoffish a little bit. Like, he's polite. Like, you know, he'll smile at you. Like, if I see him at a restaurant and his wife are having dinner up the street from where we live, he's like, he's polite and kind of smiles and nods but doesn't talk a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, you don't really, like, I don't feel like the same kind of thing. Like, you know, like, I can't, like, call him up for concert tickets like I do Gene, you know. Like, even though I've known him for so many years, I never felt like I, well, well, you know the, what I mean? When I was speaking to Loretta Caravello, um... I'm sorry, Bruce's ex-wife keeps beeping in on my other line, and I can't hear you. What did you say? Oh, I'm sorry. Well, tell her I said <laughs> hi. <laughs> do you want to take the call and, and get back to me, or...? No, it's okay. I'll call oh, okay. her back. All right. Uh, tell her I said hi. Okay. I <laughs> she, will. She'll go, who the hell's that? <laughs>
Okay, well then that brings us to the guy with the tongue, Gene Simmons. Yeah, I used to be so scared of Gene and Paul when I was I was so young, you know, when I was on the road with them. Mm-hmm. And they would tease me all the time. Now that I'm older, I can tell they were just jealous of my youth. But, <laughs> yeah, I was so scared. I remember one time I was, like, alone on the tour bus with them. I can't remember why I got left alone on the tour bus with them. But I was so intimidated. And, um, you know, Gene would always ask me all kinds of questions and be more friendly. And I think Paul, like, really just didn't know what to say to me. But, um Gene, Gene, I, I like Gene. Gene recently, uh, well, I don't know if you know this, but in 2002, he put me on the cover of Tongue Magazine. Which yes, was, I remember well. Yeah, I don't know how many issues because that came out. But, you know, he called me up. I had seen him around since I became a playmate. You know, I hadn't seen him in years. And then when I became a playmate, I started seeing him around the mansion. And he was always super happy to see me. And, um, you know, started asking me to do some modeling and things, and, you know, Nick's comic books. And he's like you know, trying to include me and stuff, which I thought was nice. And mm-hmm. and um, then they, he called me one day and he said that, you know, he had this magazine coming out and he wanted to feature me in it. And I said, well, there's a little problem. I'm pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> and so we did the interview and then waited until, I mean, I hadn't even lost my baby fat yet. And we did a photo shoot. We ended up not using most of those pictures because the photographer he hired, who was also the writer, the pictures were crappy. The writing was good, but pictures were crappy so we used some photos from another shoot but mm-hmm. you, you know I wasn't originally on the cover and then he called me one day and said we want to put you on the cover and I thought that was really great but was, what was better than that is you know I, I sat down with Gene when I did the interview because we I did the interview with the writer originally who did a beautiful article on me but you know Gene wanted more launch to sell the magazine with so he wanted to sit down with me you know and ask me questions like you know what celebrities I've been with and you know with the mm-hmm. gene line of questioning. And and I just took the opportunity to just come straight out with it. And I said, you know, I used to hate you guys. I had a huge problem with you. And he said, let me hear it. Give it to me. I want the raw truth. I want to know why. I want everything. And when he said that, my little, because I had kind of like a, a little bit fake, you know, my newfound friendship with him, because I was like on the fence about it, you know. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure, you know. And, and then when he did that, when he let me have my turn to speak, and tell him my perception, you know, of what happened back then. You know, my respect level for him changed, you know, because he heard me out. And so many people are one-sided in a conversation, and especially a Gene Simmons can certainly just say, fuck you, I have my version of the story, and that's what it is. Mm-hmm. But he didn't. He listened and, you know, agreed with some things I said and just nodded at others, but he listened, you know, and he printed it. And I respected that he printed it. So that was really cool. And since then, actually, about, I don't know, less than a year ago, there's a charity that I help with. It's called Project Cuddle. You go to projectcuddle.org. John Stamos is the spokesperson. He's a friend of mine. Uh, a lot of There's a lot of other celebrities that are involved. But, you know, they, they turn to me to auction off, you know, celebrity items. I do a lot of work with the Playmates for them and raise money. Um, for their charity, which saves babies from being abandoned. You know, the awful truth that babies are left in trash cans and all those terrible things that you read. Um, they rescue these babies and put place them in homes. So I contacted Gene and I asked him to, um, and Shannon, contact, asked them to um, donate. And in the middle of filming their show, they said, come on over. And um, they live very close to me and um, you know right in the middle of filming their show they stopped everything and gave me like a carload of stuff and Shannon carried 
even though, you know, she was in pain, like she had something wrong with her stomach at the time, she, like, carried big boxes with me, helped me, you know, carry everything downstairs, and Jean kept pulling out more stuff to donate. So, you know, people like to make him out a lot to be heartless, and he's not. I mean, I I don't have that opinion of him. Um, I think he's into making money, and I think he's some of the things he's been accused of, but, you know, I think, you know, there's a lot running what he runs, and the the band Kiss, the TV show, all of his businesses, the writing books, I mean, raising a family, stay, staying on top of that and taking time out, you know, to do nice things is cool. He's been a friend to me, so I appreciate that.
Uh, Greg Prado recently put out the Eric Carr story. What do you think of that? Um, I was surprised when I read it. I, I really I wasn't expecting it to be written the way it was, like just interviews with people. It was interesting for me to read it because I forgot a lot of, you know, different perspectives from everybody. You know, you don't know. I didn't know what was going on in all the other friends' minds. And, and I was so in a personal relationship with him and I was so shared his love and his illness. I was so much that and not in some of the other things. Like I completely forgot about Kiss taking away his drum solo. I, I, I was like, what? I don't remember that happening. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, Gary Corbett was very angry in the book and about Gene and Paul. And I love Gary. I absolutely love Gary. I love his wife, Lenora. And you know what? That's, that's, Gary's perspective of everything that went on, and I, but I kind of, I kind of forgot all of that stuff. So it, it's been so hard for me to heal mm-hmm. from all of it and just come to a place in my life of peace and happiness. For me to get there, there was a lot of forgiving and forgetting, and um, and I've had my opportunity um, to heal, you mm-hmm. know. Since then, I think I don't know. Everybody, we, everybody was asked our perspectives on what was going on, like, during those years I was with Eric. The best thing about it, this actually made me cry more than anything in the book, is that people said such nice things about me. The way, no one stops to say, oh, Carrie, you're so gorgeous, Carrie, you're so sweet, Carrie, it was so great to have you around, Carrie, you're so there for Eric. People don't do that. And then when I was reading Bruce and the way everybody was speaking so highly of me, like, I was just bawling every time I read a compliment because it was just so sweet. Mm-hmm. You know, I really did go through a lot. So to to just read in print, she was really there for Eric, Carrie's one that was there. It was very validating. <laughs> we were talking a little bit about that section of the book. Do you have any thoughts on that? I, I actually felt a little bit bad when I read it because I did forget a lot that went on then. And, you know, I did forget that the family didn't allow them to the hospital. I did forget all that stuff. And, and I think, you know, it's true because they didn't want Eric to have any stress. That's my memory of it. I don't remember them, like Gary says they were calling and harassing her. I, you know, honestly, I don't remember that stuff because I was the one that was massaging his feet and, you know, feeding him. I wasn't the one that was dealing with that stuff, you know. So I, I don't know. I certainly believe everything Gary says. Um, I don't think they handled it the best way. I think that they did what they had to do as businessmen. I think I think they probably, I, I, I can't speak for them, but I think everybody loved him. I, I think everyone loved Eric, and I think they were faced with some very tough decisions, and I think they could have handled it better. I think they could have just said, hey, Eric, you know, you're still the drummer for Kiss, but until you get well, we're going to take Eric out on tour, but you're still in the band. You know, right. looking in hindsight, why didn't they do that? I don't know. I think it's like Bruce said in the book. I think, you know, they heard his prognosis and they thought that he was going to die. And I think the rest of us that loved him were pissed off for them at them for believing Eric could die. I could have never. Because, because nobody not, I, wanted I could, to believe that. Nobody wanted to no, believe that. No, but some people are black and white. My dad is like that. So my dad is a scientist. It's black and it's white. And, and then there's those of us who are more... Creative types, I, I, I refused to believe. It's like I, I wouldn't want to enter my head that he's going to die because I felt like if I thought that, then that it would happen. Right, you like, know, like you that, didn't want to feed the possibility. Right, that, that, but that's just me. Different p- 
people are different, and they weren't. They were looking out for what, you know, they needed to get the show on the road, and, um, you know, their priority was getting their album made and getting on tour, and at the time, I'm sure they thought they were doing the best, and I think we've all, I don't know, I can't speak for them. I've found my peace with it. I would like to think in everybody's heart of hearts we were all doing the best that we could at the time with who we are as people. That's and, a very good way to put it right there. Yeah, and, you know, I don't believe in harboring anger. I'm, I think that that is what causes diseases like cancer. Mm-hmm. I think stress causes cancer and all those negative emotions, and I just choose not to have them in my life. I choose to let it go, forgive, forget, and honor Eric's memory with love. Very cool. You recently saw the band. What did mm-hmm. your son I've think seen, of the I show? Think his, oh, my son had a blast. I'll send you some pictures. My son is a huge Kiss fan. He thinks he is Eric reincarnated, which is a little disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's like, I don't know about that. It's kind of bittersweet, you know, to hear him say that. Um, but it's great for him to have a positive role model. I actually surprised him after his kiss gig with i bought one of those on figures you know the fox figures oh yeah yeah like a a model of the fox yeah Mm -hmm. and he he was thrilled and he actually wanted the whole band and i said no (laughs) i'm like you know what this is because you were the fox and you don't need to collect all of them but this is very special and he understands why that was really great i mean they were all it was great you know he got to hang out with gene backstage and they were they were all in costume he's hung out with gene before you know, at the Playboy Mansion on Easter, and she goofs around it when the first thing Gene says when he sees me is, where's your son? You know, and he goofs around with them, and that's cool. And then to, but to see him all in costume, that was really neat for, for, for my son. And we hung out with, you know, Shannon and Tracy and, you know, Nick, and, you know, we got to be treated nicely. Like, we walked with them, you know, through, walked from the sound stage. We got escorted with Amber and everybody, you know, just, you know, it's like even though there's been a lot of drama and loss and all that, there still is some kind of family there. Mm-hmm. Like even with your family, you have like family drama. Oh, yeah. But, you know, but the, I mean, there, there is like a, yeah, like a family camaraderie, like, you know, mm-hmm. I was in, included in that. Um, my son and I were included in the special family treatment at the show. And then we we actually, um, I went by myself last November to a show by myself, just with a couple friends. And um, that's the first show I had seen since Eric was with the band in all these years. I saw them at the Super Bowl like in 1999, and I didn't even know they were going to be there. One thing you know, I... When Kiss did Playboy, you know, they had the Playmates nude with the Kiss makeup. Kiss actually, I mean, Playboy, Playboy actually called me to ask me to do that, to be one of the playmates in that shoot. And I said, I'm sorry, but that is too weird. I, like, grew up with those guys. I mean, I've known those guys since, I mean, I've known Gina Paul since I was 18. I kept being naked around them. <laughs> <laughs> that would just be too weird. They know me. Like, no, I can't do it. Yeah, that would be kind of different. Well, and that was the last time I saw him play. You know, I was on the video set with him when he was doing God, he did God Gave Rock and Roll to You. So. Can you tell us about um, that video shoot? 
Well, he had had chemotherapy. He had to wear a wig, you know. It was really, I mean, he, he was strong. He was playing strong. Uh-huh. I mean, he was feeling his spirits were up, but, you know, you could see, you can see it in the video. He a little, he's a little puffy and pale, but, you know, it meant everything to him to be in that video. They almost replaced him and didn't let him do it, and he had to get the doctors to say he was healthy enough to do it, and it was okay. And I know, I know, you know. that Gene has one time said that he, he really didn't want Eric to do it because he was like, you should be getting well. You know, this, this is just a thing. You need to get well. Come back when you're stronger, you know. I remember him saying that you could tell that this was, this was his heart. This is what, something he wanted to do. It meant everything, everything for him to be on that video set. I am so happy that they gave in and let him, you know, that helped him to feel alive. Like he was gonna live. It gave him some hope. And, you know, it was, you know, he, he was doing what he loved and, you know, it's, it's, I just never thought it would end this way. It's just still amazing to me. None of us ever did. I'll tell you, I was at work when I found out that Eric had passed away, and I just froze. It just, you know, what's Kiss doing on TV at this time in the afternoon? What's going on? And it just, it stunned me, and it still chills me to this day. I met Eric Carr one, once. I talked to him for about four whole minutes. The way that he treated me as a fan was amazing. And I'm sure that you saw that time and time again. Oh, he answered all his fan mail. I still remember his living room with boxes and buckets of it. And just, you know, we'd be sitting around talking and he was going through it and answering it. And he was always the one being nice to the fans and hanging out with them. One thing I have to mention, I was talking to you about the uh, the, the Playboy centerfold, and I we were we discussing airbrushing, and you told me an interesting fact. You have a little story about that. I'm not airbrushed. <laughs> I promise. I can prove it. Yeah, I have my original uh, photograph of my 8x10. They take it with an 8x10 camera. That's why I say 8x10. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes five days to shoot a centerfold, by the way. Really? Um, to shoot one picture. Yeah. I, wow. Uh, yeah, they... Yeah. Believe me, and it's painful. Most people cry during their... Because you have to hold the pose for so long. Anyway, um, yeah, I had a mole removed from the top. (laughs) I used to have one on my belly button. It's not there anymore, but is in the original centerfold, which, you know what, it's it's actually not airbrushing that they do. It's lighting. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, the butt light, the breast light, the hair light. See, that's Um, the kind of job I should have had, Carrie, was the butt lighter. (laughs) Hi, what do you do for a living? I'm a butt lighter. (laughs) This is what I do. And they teach you how to pose perfectly. They have the most amazing hair and makeup people in the world. I mean, anyone could look good with that scenario. If Eric was around today, what do you think he'd tell his fans? He'd say something funny, and I'm not that funny, so I don't know. Okay. (laughs) But if it were him, I know he just would have spouted out something really funny, and you would have just laughed. Well, thank you for being on our show, and I just want to say God bless you, and thank you for taking the time to speak to us. And uh, God bless you, too. And You're a friend of the podcast now, so there you uh-huh. go. Well, thank you for having me. If you think of any more questions you forgot to ask or anything, feel free. Okay. Anytime. We'll keep in touch. Okay. Right, God okay. bless, kiddo. Bye. All right, bye-bye. And that's our show. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check us out online at www.podkist.com. Any thoughts, comments, questions you guys have, send us an email, podkist at gmail.com. 
Also check us out on Facebook. We're also on Twitter. We're just about anywhere you can find us. So get a hold of us. Special thanks to Kiss Online and Keith LaRue and everybody there. Thanks for having the website for the hottest band in the land. Big thanks also to Julian Gill at KissFact. That's K-I-S-S-F-A-Q.com. If you're not there, go there. There's a ton of information and some great discussions to be had. We also want to thank all of our guests, past, present, future. We want to thank you all for making this show the hottest show in the land. And as always, a big thanks to Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, Peter Chris, Ace Fraley, Vinnie Vincent, Bruce Kulick, Eric Singer, Tommy Thayer, and the memory of the late great Eric Carr, and the late great Mark St. John. You are KISS. We are your army. <laughs>